Hey friends, Pastor Ashley here. We want to welcome you to Church Online. Here we are yet again in our backyard, the beautiful Pacific Northwest on this incredible sunny Sunday. We want to welcome you. We are excited about what the Lord is doing. We are so grateful that you are joining in. As always, we would love to hear where you're watching from. Drop it in the comments below. Also know that we have online hosts right here right now to answer your questions. If you have questions for us or want to follow along in the notes, make sure you check out the comments. We also want you to know about all the things that are going on in the life of our church. We are elated to announce Women's Bible Study will be starting up again September 20th. It's a Tuesday, 7 p.m. Make sure that you sign up. Join us. We'll be jumping into Jackie Hill Perry's study in Jude. Make sure you pick it up on Amazon. It's going to be so exciting. There's so much flexibility, too. That's what I love about it. It's not going to be homework for you. If you have time to read the chapter, that's amazing. She also has videos that go along with it and a workbook, but there's no obligation. Just make sure you sign up and then join us on Tuesday nights. It's just seven weeks, 7 p.m. That's going to be incredible. Also, small groups are launching again in the fall. And so we want to make sure that if you have been interested at all in facilitating a small group, that you join us for our small group facilitator training. JF and I will be actually teaching that ourselves. Super simple Zoom. It's going to be September 14th, a Wednesday night, but we need you to sign up. You can sign up by going to the website pacificcoast.church, click on small groups, and then click on interested in being a small group host or facilitator. You can also email us if that's easier at info at pacificcoast.church. Also, don't forget seasonal Sabbath is coming up just in time for Labor Day. September 4th is a Sunday and we will be meeting online only. And maybe you're brand new to Pacific Coast Church and you're not aware of this honoring that we do four times a year, just quarterly. We take pause together as a church and we encourage everybody to join in their small groups or with family and friends. Definitely check out the teaching that week, but you want to make sure that you are taking time that seasonal Sabbath to restfully reflect on everything God has done. Now, why do we do that? Maybe you're asking. We do that because if we are able to quarterly do this corporately, then we're able to bring more focus on the weekly command of Sabbath. There's so many elements to what God calls us to do. And we always have to remember that it's not an earning of God's love, but of honoring His amazing guidelines that He's given us in Scripture. So I just want to invite you. There's so many elements that God lists for us throughout the text that we can honor in an understanding of knowing how much the Lord loves us. Another part of that is our giving. You know, our giving is not a place, again, of earning God's love or trying to work for His acceptance. No, it's a place where we can join in trusting the Word of God, trusting what the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through us, and being able to join arms as the church to do more of His will here on earth. And you know what? We as a church, we step out in that trust every single week. 12% of everything that comes into Pacific Coast Church goes directly back out. Why 12%? 
Well, maybe you know that tithe is listed in scripture as 10%. And we believe that generosity is above and beyond the tithe. And so we as an organization, Pacific Coast Church as a body, we send back out 12% of everything that comes back in. Now, maybe you want to know, where does it go? Check it out online. There's six organizations that we give to right now. And we'd love for you to read more about them. There's local organizations, national and international. And you, through Pacific Coast Church, you are doing God's will around the world. So we want to thank you for your faithfulness in your giving. This coming week, we will be handing out backpacks at Mount Tahoma High School. We not only have backpacks, we have treats for the teachers. We also have chargers for the students. We have USB ports. That was the big part of the school supplies that was told to us that they were you know, needing. And so we're so elated to be able to hand out 400 backpacks to the kids that need it. That's what you're doing, even in this local community. So friends, let's join in prayer. I want you to just pause for a second. Ask the Lord what step he might have you take today. Maybe it's submitting a prayer request online right now, or you can text the word Pacific to 84576 and submit your prayer request through that link. Maybe it's giving for the first time. Maybe it's giving above and beyond. Maybe it's signing up to get connected in some way, whether it's small groups or dream team. Whatever it is, we just want to encourage you and invite you to take that step. And the Holy Spirit will meet you there always. I want to pray for you and then we're going to dive into the Word together. Another look at the Psalms and a specific Psalm today that I have a love for. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for your spirit. Thank you that you speak to us and that you're speaking to our friends and family here right now that are joining us, whether they're listening or watching, whatever it is. Thank you, God, for the power of your word to transform our hearts and our lives. Help us, Lord, to respond to whatever you're speaking with obedience, boldness, and courage. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, what's up, Pacific Coast Church? Pastor JF here. Once again, thanks so much for joining us. Wherever you're watching from, we always say what an honor it is that you'd spend some time with us. Well, August is almost over. Can you believe that? I mean, I don't know if you're like me, but it feels like the summer just flew by, right? Well, just a quick reminder of our church's what we call seasonal Sabbath in just two weeks, September 4th. We do this four times a year where we only meet right here online with our small groups and our loved ones. And we do this for several reasons. First, we want to be really intentional with actually practicing Sabbath. And then to let those who serve on our dream team, which who are our volunteers, give them a little break. The last thing that we ever want is for people to feel any type of burnout or fatigue. So we're just really conscious of that, intentional about it. So make sure you're marking your calendars, all right? Hey, today we continue our series on the book of Psalms. In fact, the title of this series is Summer in the Psalms. I love that. And our prayer is that it encourage you t- tremendously. We've been doing this for several weeks now. There, there's just so many reasons to love the book of Psalms. One of those reasons is the style of writing where it's almost It's like a conversation, right, between the writers and God himself. And what's so beautiful about the book of Psalms is we see a pattern of prayers between God and his people. And it it allows us to apply those patterns 
to our own conversations with God. You, you can use these patterns in your prayers to offer thanks for all that he's done for you, to express confidence in who he is in your life, and, and even to beg for help. Have you ever been there before? And what I love about this book is that these are real prayers, meaning they aren't just some liturgical, religious, like robotic scripts, like now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Did you ever pray that when you were a kid? No, these are, these are, these are prayers, these are conversations with God that are heartfelt, deep feelings the writers have. They're sincere, they're authentic, and this is the type of relationship that I want to have with God, and I know you do too, a real one, a sincere one. Any drama fans out there? Come on, be honest. Maybe it's movies, maybe it's TV series, maybe soap operas. The more dramatic, the better, right? And I got to tell you, none of those can touch the crazy, like, rated R narratives told to us in the Bible. For instance, the background of what's going on here in the book of Psalms, chapter 3 to be specific, is that King David's son, Absalom, was incredibly handsome and David's favorite son. But he also had a gorgeous sister that their brother raped. And, and David didn't punish the rapist harshly enough, according to Absalom. So not only did he keep his sister hidden, but also began to undermine David's leadership to the point of raising up an army with the goal of overthrowing and killing his dad, David. So here is David's prayer, crying out to God as a 65-year-old man running from the sun trying to kill him. See? Crazy stuff, man. And what's wild is the picture that Scripture paints in the details as well. You, you see David, he named his son Absalom, which means father of peace. What, what, what David put first and thought would mean peace in his life ended up haunting him and trying to destroy him. And so many of us have walked through similar stuff. Yeah, maybe, maybe our favorite kid didn't raise up an army to murder us, but we all have those things that we have held close that we thought would bring us peace. That job, that guy or girl, that drink, those pills that ended up almost destroying us. And so today we're going to look at Psalm chapter 3 with that context. And there's this word, Selah. Selah. Is that, is that English? No, it's actually Hebrew. You say, but I don't speak Hebrew. <laughs> but you actually do. Anyone ever use the word amen? What about hallelujah? Both Hebrew words. Did you know that Selah is used three times as much in the Old Testament as amen and hallelujah? Selah is used 74 times in the Old Testament. If, if, if you've heard the word, maybe you've heard that it means a pause or break in the song or prayer. But it's not just that. How many of you know that there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different ways that we can pause? Do, do you ever walk into a room and stop frozen in your tracks and think, why in the heck did I come into this room? Like, like, what was I doing? What, what am I doing here? That's not say law, okay? That's not the same kind of pause. What about this? Have you ever had someone say something to you that you simply weren't sure how to respond to? Like, I've never liked female preachers. <laughs> and I pause because my wife is standing there too. And you're, you're hoping they'll continue with, but, and, and then they don't. <laughs> so you're just awkwardly staring and nodding like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not, that's not say law, right? 
What about, here's another one. What about your stern dad's like upset face? Like I can remember being a kid and my brother and I doing something pretty, pretty gnarly. And my dad just staring at us like dead silent. And that moment felt like an eternity right before World War III was unleashed on us. Like, like some of you know what I'm talking about, right? That's a pause, but it's not say la. So many different things that we think it is, but it turns out that it's not actually say la. We have all sorts of pauses in our day, but say la is much more than just pausing. There are actually two Hebrew wor- wor- root words for Selah. The first means weigh this, value it. And the second root word of the word Selah is to build up, lift up, or exalt. Altogether, Selah means to pause, meditate, consider heavily, decide what to hold most valuable and what to focus on or lift up in our perspective about, uh, about the rest. So, we're going to look at Psalm 3. It's the first time that the term Selah is used in Scripture. And I believe that how David uses it in this song or prayer or poem, however you view it, I believe it will help us to put this into practice in our own lives. So today, we're going to learn about the, the, the three Selahs in this psalm. And the first one is, write this down, the Selah that silences. Have you ever been in a situation where you honestly didn't even have words? You know what I mean? Like we were just like left speechless in a, in a situation. Well, in this particular chapter, it seems as though David is in a similar situation. One that he almost doesn't have words to explain. Let's look at it. Psalm chapter three, starting in verse one, it says, right there is the title, a Psalm of David. When he fled from Absalom, his son, and what it says is, O Lord, how many adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. And here's the word, Selah. It's in these moments, it's in those moments when we feel afraid, we, we, we feel most afraid. It's the moments when we're in deep despair or anxiety. It's imperative that we pause and weigh what's being spoken over us by our inner voice and by others and ask ourselves which words we're going to allow to have more value in every prayer and meditation. You have a choice to make. And scripture is encouraging us, especially in those times of desperate prayers, to pause, weigh, and decide which to exalt. Which will you focus on? Which will you place the most value in? In this Selah that silences, you have a choice. And the choice is what others are saying versus what the Lord says. In moments where you're so caught off guard, where you find yourself feeling almost helpless, it's so important to first accept that reality, but then decide whose words you will give the most weight to. And far too often, we end up giving all of our attention to what our friends and loved ones say. Oh, and and even what our enemies are saying versus what God's word says about us. And maybe I'm just preaching to myself today, but I know that that's impossible because this is one issue that I spend enormous amounts of hours counseling Christians on. And in those moments of Selah that silences where we just freeze up, 
Are you going to invest the bulk of your energy on the words of others? Or are you going to find peace and real rest in what the Lord has to say about it? Some of you need to write this phrase down right now. And that is, who told me that? Write it down. Who told me that? Have you ever been in a situation where you, where you found yourself maybe laying in bed at night, rehearsing in your head a, a phrase or, or a bit of information that was eating you up inside, that, that left you feeling hopeless? At that moment, the question is, did you stop and ask yourself, wait, who actually told me that? Listen, this is a great exercise because lots of times when we stop and simply ask ourselves, where did this negative information come from? Meaning, who is the source? We may actually end up finding out that that source was absolutely, had absolutely no credibility whatsoever. You may find yourself saving countless hours by simply discrediting the source of that information and then spending those saved hours reminding yourself of what the Lord has to say about you. A say law that silences all those voices that aren't from the Lord. That's the first thought. Here's the second thought that I have. The second Selah in this prayer that David prays is a Selah that sees. You know, I remember when I first got into mountain climbing and all the learning and unlearning that was required in that sport, I, I remember that just being almost like overwhelmed with new information. Everything from safety to technique to teamwork and how it all worked hand in hand and that you had to give careful attention to all of it. So I remember a group of us guys had mapped out the years, um, the, the climbing expeditions that we were going to specifically climb and we were training within a one-year period. And, and, and the end result was going to be hopefully summoning Mount Rainier, right? So there's really no way to describe it well unless you've been there. But the first time you cross a 30-foot ladder bridge over a 2,000-foot crevasse with 40-mile-an-hour winds at 2 o'clock in the morning literally changes your life. And for me, the moment came and all I could think about was falling to my death. Like literally, I got to the edge where I had to make the decision to step out onto, that, onto this like ramshackled bridge. And for a moment, I froze because the only image I had in my head was me slipping and falling 2,000 feet down to my demise. And in that moment, my guide in front of me realized this was playing out in my head. And I'll never forget him screaming out to me, JF, you can't fall. You won't die today because you're tied in. You're roped into the rest of your team. We got you. And it was like in that moment, that camera lens of my life pulled back and I realized I was surrounded by my team and that we were all physically tied together. And, I, and even if I slipped, they would pull me back up. It was, a, it was a done deal. I had no reason to be afraid anymore because no matter what, I was saved from danger because, of, because we had already done all of our safety procedures before we ever set foot out on that journey. And for a second, all I could see was what was, what, right, what was right in front of me, which looked almost hopeless. But the second I regained my perspective, I had a bit of a look around and I realized I was actually safe. And I ended up seeing the big picture. This comes with the decision between focusing on what is currently happening versus what God has already done. He's already done so much. We just got to get regain perspective. And look how David 
outwardly articulates this very internal process. Let's go back to the text. Chapter 3, verse 3 says, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain, Selah. You see, in the midst of your fear, the midst of your anxiety, you can almost like reground yourself in the word of God. It's in those moments. Stop and remind yourself of perhaps other seasons of your life where God showed up and rescued you and watch how those memories encourage you and what he's about to do for you in this current trial. Oh my goodness, I have done this so many times, my friends. When I was going through a rough patch and I was reminded of a previous rough patch that God delivered me from. And let me tell you, it helped a lot. In fact, can I be honest? There's even a few things that I'm going through even right now. And, and, and how I'm able to deal with them is remembering how God's shown up for me over and over in other seasons. One little exercise I do is going through my life testimonies file, if you will. All the times in my life where beyond a shadow of a doubt, the only way I was able to overcome a situation in my life was through the power of the grace of God. In fact, even secularists promote this practice through the very practical exercise of counting blessings to ease anxiety. I mean, psychologists say that one way to help reduce stress and anxiety in your life is just to take a few minutes and, and list out or, or, or even write down all of the many blessings that we all take for granted in our lives. And studies show it reduces anxiety. Now, I'm not a doctor, but I gotta say, they're on to something, right? Number one, a Selah that silences. Silences what? All those voices that aren't from the Lord's. Number two, a Selah that sees. Sees what God's done for me throughout my life. Not, not just what is happening right now to regain perspective. And here's the last Selah in the Psalms. And that is number three, a Selah that sustains. Oh, this one's good. Look at verse five. He says, I lay down and I slept. I, I awoke for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people who have set themselves against me around, round about me. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have spitten all my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people, say, la. And I love the definition of it. Sustain means to strengthen, to support. That thought that had sustained him through the years. Then another one is to undergo or, or suffer. He sustained severe head injuries. Here's a third, another, another one. To cause to continue for an extended period of time. He cannot sustain a normal conversation. So just a couple of definitions there. It's all the same word. It's the same God. You decide your view on what he's doing. I remember... A few years back, Ashley and I were taking a boot camp class together at the old YMCA, and our kids were little at the time. So we took them with us, and they sat along the wall and watched while we worked out. Well, if you know anything about this style of group fitness, the instructor tends to be the most fit, and you know she's the leader because she tends to scream out orders that you're expected to follow. Have you ever done this before? So, so she's, like, she's like, give me 20 burpees, faster faster and all this goes on for like 45 minutes and uh, well 
we get done and I'm toast, man. I'm tired. I'm rocked. I'm fried. So my daughter looks up at me and says, dad, why do you have to do all those things that lady's telling you? And in that moment, Ashley and I just busted up laughing. And I said to her, honey, I don't have to do all those things. Here it is. I get to do all those things. When I pray and ask the Lord for more faith, He doesn't zap me and I immediately have supernatural faith. He gives me opportunities to exercise trust in him and his strength and his strength grows in me. I talked about resistance a few weeks ago. It's required. But I think this say a lot that sustains has more to do with the way we think about what we think about God. We think about how God thinks about us. I, I can remember years ago, we took the kids to the Washington State Fair in Puyallup. And at that time, we were in the season of life where they could only ride the little rides. Parents, remember those days? They were beautiful days. Well, for my kids, it was something that was talked about all year long. It was like the lead up to the fair. Dad, I can't wait. To this day, my kids still love the fair and we get the free ticket from school, you know what I mean? Well, on this particular trip to the fair, as we were walking through all of the little kitty rides, Fulton, who was probably three at the time, locked in on this little obstacle course that at the end of it had a ball pit that you would jump in after the completion. So, so Fulton went nuts and all he wanted to do was jump into that ball pit. Now I, can, I can't think of a, a nastier, more ger- germ-infested experience than jumping into a carnival ball pit. But when you're three, those rationales don't seem to really enter one's thoughts. All that, all that there is the glorious experience of plunging into a pit of 5,000 colorful plastic balls. So this is what Fulton decided his three-year-old, he had decided this in his three-year-old mind. He was going to do it. So we let him go and I watched my wife's face go through a series of emotions as, as she watched her baby cannonball into a COVID pit. It, 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 like, you know what I'm talking about? So Fulton jumps in and comes up but only about like a third of his upper torso has surfaced and he's totally fine with it. He's, he's kind of just like, he started swimming around in these balls, laughing his heart out all the while other kids who had finished the obstacle course began to jump in as well. You see where I'm going with this, right? It wasn't more than a minute before Fulton began to disappear under the balls and kids piling on and my wife went ninja. Oh yeah, she took off in a dead sprint dodged the carny and dove into headfirst hands and feet through that obstacle course, climbing over toddlers to get to that ball pit. I mean, she was through that obstacle course in about 12 seconds flat. And then she shoved her mama bear paw down into that pit of mucus and influenza and scooped up her Fulton for the rescue. Oh, and by the way, Fulton laughed through the whole experience, man. What a picture. Now, that's not just a picture of an overprotective good mother, my friends. It's also a picture of our God and how he thinks about you and how he sees you, his kid. Listen, salvation and deliverance are the Lord's. They belong to him. They are his idea. He is a God that delivers. He is a God that blesses his kids, not curses. Your blessing is already on your people. Despite the pain, still see the blessing. That first thought, a Selah that silences. All those voices that aren't the Lord's, your haters out there. Number two, 
a Selah that sees what God has done for me throughout my life, regaining perspective. It's not just what's happening right now. And that last one, a Selah that sustains. This Selah that sustains has more to do with the way we think about God and really how he thinks about us. It's, it's, it's reframing. It's getting a fresh perspective. Maybe for some of us, it's changing the way we think about how he thinks about us. Maybe, maybe you think about God and you think that he thinks in negative terms about you. His kid, I'm just telling you, it's just not true. He created you in his image. You are beautiful to him. And he, just like the story that Jesus told of the wayward son, the pro- remember the story of the prodigal son? Man, he goes and kind of throws away his life, his inheritance, and he has nowhere else to turn, so he heads back home. And the father doesn't turn his back. No, the people ask Jesus, what is the father like? What is the heavenly father like? He tells this story. And in that story, the father, what does he do? He runs. <laughs> he runs towards his lost son. This is the picture. This is the Selah that sustains today. I wonder today as we pray, if you find yourself in a, a pause, a moment where you're totally silenced. <laughs> You've put more focus on what everybody else is saying. You've put a bunch of focus on maybe even what your enemies are saying. There's people that are actually against you and you've, you've, you've put so much weight, like you, you've, you have placed so much value on words that are destructive. Many of the words probably not even true. Today, maybe you're watching and you say, JF, I, I need to, I need to find my Selah and my peace in what God has to say about me today. I, I, don't, I don't know where you're at, but I want you to know Israel to this day says that David was the greatest king in their history. And even this great man who had a lot of failure in his life, he got himself into a lot of trouble because of the decisions he made. We see him in places where you and I can even relate to. And I don't know if you're like me, but that encourages me today. I hope it encourages you. So today I just want to pray for you. Maybe you find yourself and you're questioning everything. Maybe you're watching today and you say, Jeff, pray for me. I, 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 I'm, there's been so many times where I'm just left without words. I, I don't know which way is right. I don't know which way is left. I don't know where to go. Today I want to turn towards Jesus Christ. Middle of August. The season's almost out. I want to pray for you wherever you're watching from today. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the book of Psalms. I thank you for this chapter 3 where David is expressing his memories. <laughs> he's expressing his current situation. But he's also expressing who you are and what you've done in his life. God, I pray for those watching right now that maybe aren't believing. If you're watching today and you're not a follower of Jesus right now, you can accept him. Lord, just come into my life. Let's say a prayer like this. Lord, I believe in you. I receive you. Come into my life. I want to follow you. Begin to heal my broken heart. Begin to heal my addiction issues and 
my codependency issues, and all of the different things that we as humans go through. God, I pray for my friend right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray for the, my friend who is, a, who is a believer, who's walking with you right now. God, I pray that you would help them regain perspective, that they would step back and see the big picture of the things that you've done in their life in the past and what you're going to do right now. Maybe you find yourself in a season of confusion or loss or pain or hurt or whatever it is. I want you to take a minute and remember the moment where he pulled you out in the past or healed you or, or set you free. He can do it right now today. So Lord God, heal, touch, restore. Thank you for every person, every friend watching. We thank you for who you are and what you're doing at Pacific Coast Church. Bless my friends. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, we're so glad that you joined us today. As always, we want to encourage you to pray about the scripture that you've heard. Pray about the message. Ask the Holy Spirit what He desires for you to glean from it. And as always, we give you questions to maybe even guide that meditation time, whether it's in community, which is what we're hoping in small groups, but also taking time to do that individually, journaling maybe in your quiet time. So if you have your phones, make sure it's ready to take, you know, a picture or a screenshot if you're watching on a device. And then also, as always, we would love to connect with you. Make sure you text the word Pacific to 84576. We would love to reach out, pray with you and for you and get you connected. Get your phones ready. Question number one. Have you ever found yourself in a situation that seemed so overwhelming that you were unable to make any sense of it whatsoever. Almost a moment where you were left speechless. If so, describe your experiences. How were you able to navigate what was being spoken over you? Number two, King David had a fresh perspective of his current trials based on what God had delivered him from in previous seasons. What tools do you use to regain lost perspective in your life? We all take many blessings for granted from time to time. As an exercise, list 10 blessings from God in your life and give Him thanks for them today. Number three, have you ever had a time in your life where you believed God thought poorly of you? Why did you believe that? How did you arrive at that conclusion? Describe different ways you were able to overcome these false notions about God in times of trouble and or weakness. I love that. Make sure you take time to do that this week, even if you're not writing it down. Maybe it's on a drive, asking yourself these questions and allow the Holy Spirit to unpack some of that for you. Friends, we love you. We are so grateful for you. Don't forget, if you haven't had an opportunity to submit that prayer request, you can do that online or by texting Pacific to 84576. Also, your donations. We are so, so grateful for your giving. Text the word donation to 84576 or join us online. You can give easily there. Make sure that you are connected in some way we're so pumped for everything that is in store. We love you all. We thank you. We will see you at Noon Prayer Facebook Live on Wednesday.